What a great little psalm. It is so absolutely beautiful. It's powerful. It's, uh, it resonates in us and in, in, just in, in our soul. I, I love the psalms. It's probably the most, um, everybody has their favorite part of scripture. and They maybe have read it lots. I've read the psalms lots. Because they are really a source, a, a well of human emotion. It, carry, it, talk, it, it carries about every emotion that human beings experience in this life. It addresses every condition that we could ever find ourselves in. And I love that. It's the emotion. But I, the older I get, and I'm getting older, believe me, my back reminds me, The Psalms are also, I never looked at it this way, the Psalms are the emotion of God. Because if you're talking to a friend who's depressed and crying and, and crying out for help, and you just and you just rat out, you know, just throw out some words to them and you, you'll be okay. Or do you embrace them? Or if they're joyful, you're you're happy with them. The Psalms are really the emotion of God, as well as for us, our emotion, because where do we get our emotions? We get them from him. I remember, I, I think I remember Jesus crying. And I can't help, it doesn't say, but when he holds his children, he's frowning and serious. He's playing with them. He's tickling them. God has emotions, and he's angry at sin and the rebellion of man. So as we look at this psalm, we're going to end up with looking at it as, as from God's point of view, his emotion in it. As we see this powerful, powerful psalm here, I love it. So in verse 1, the Lord reigns, he's clothed with majesty, the Lord is clothed, he has girded himself with strength, surely the world is established so that it cannot be moved. So he, as we sang and as we've talked about, he reigns, he rules, He's ultimate. Isn't that good comfort to know? He's all-powerful. He's self-sufficient, self-determining. He's the only one. He rules over the affairs of men. I love it. You talk about God's emotion. In Psalm 2, the nations rise up, and he said, why do the nations raise up? And they're saying, now, we're going to get rid of God. We're gonna he's gonna we're gonna unshackle him from us, and we're gonna get rid of him. And the Lord's response, in verse four, Psalm two, he laughs. <laughs> oh, really? That was you know when your two-year-old throwing a fit, or the, or your seven-year-old's gonna run away because I didn't get my way. You just smile. Uh huh. Sure. He said he's clothed with majesty. And this word clothed is repeated for us twice, which is a whole nother, I wish I had, there's a whole nother subject about clothes in the scripture. They're, it's a powerful, it's a, a powerful image for us. But here the Lord is saying, look at me. I reign and look at what I'm wearing. Look at my robe. Look at my royal robe. He said he is clothed with majesty. I love that. Look at, just turn your Bible a couple pages to Psalm 104, 
And he, you know, the Lord expresses this better than I can about his majesty and his clothes. Bless the Lord, O my soul, verse 1 of Psalm 104. O Lord, my God, you are very great. O Lord, my God, you are very great. We just sang that. <laughs> I wonder where they got that. Psalm 104. You're clothed with honor and majesty. You cover yourself with light as with a garment, his radiance. You stretch out the heavens like a curtain. Remember, they got the new telescope, and it's coming a cabillion light years away. He just goes, and as far as they go, it's going to be even further still. He lays the beams of his upper chambers in the waters. Hmm. He has an upper chamber, he's telling us, and he lays it in the water. Wow, what a picture. We know that there's a, a river of living water flowing from the throne of God out he makes the clouds his chariot. The next, you know, when you look at the clouds moving through the sky, just think of him. Those are, that, that's his chariot. And he walks on the wings of the wind. He's so powerful. You who laid the foundations of the earth that it should not be moved forever. He reigns, he rules, and it's forever. And established, that's what he's putting his, his stamp on. He said he says he girds himself with strength. You ever see a, a soldier all all belted up, the helmet, the whole, the whole, the, all that stuff. He's ready for battle. The football player, he he comes on. He's got all this equipment on. The hockey player, uh, my my buddy's a policeman. I feel sorry for him. He's got the the vest and this big belt and this thing, t two things tucked in his ears, and he's got all this stuff hanging off of him. They're ready for battle. They're ready to do things. They are, he's, and he said, I love this, he's girded himself. I'm doing it. I'm reflecting my strength as I gird myself and prepare myself. It's a, it's a military word, prepared for action. He's ready to move in our behalf. So in verse 2, now he tells us about his throne is established from old. You, Lord are everlasting. And hear that word established again. So in verse 1, it's about his creation. Now it's establishment about his throne. And it's established. It's fixed. What does established mean? It's set. We sang about an anchor. It's set. And it ain't moving. It's a rock. It's founded. It's ordained. It's ratified and confirmed. It's done. Psalm, 1, 4, Psalm 45 and 47, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is a scepter of your kingdom. God reigns over the nations. God sits on his holy throne. He's, he's sitting. He's not, you know, sometimes we think we're in our trials and our struggles and we're, we're wringing our hands and we just think, God, oh God, how can you do this? How can you get, take care of this? He's sitting down. Girded for action, ready to rise on our behalf. So what's that mean for us? Hebrews we have a kingdom, received a kingdom that can never be shaken. That's what he's saying here. And if that's true, because Christ says, I am the same yesterday, today, and forever, what does that mean for me? When I hear him say, I will never leave you nor forsake you. 
he's trying to, he's trying to tell his children in our midst of this flood that we're going to uh, soon look at, look to me. Don't worry about it. I'm strong. I have more than capable of taking care of you. So in verse 3, here's the pivotal part of this psalm. He's talking about the floods. What are the floods? What are floods? So there's a couple of things I think to note. There's six to be exact. What's a flood? It's overwhelming, destructive, and it's out of order. It's not, water is going someplace where it's not supposed to go. It's going above its banks. The ocean is going further as a hurricane pushes the, 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 the tidal surge and then begins to flood. It's turning things upside down. We, uh, there's huge floods in Kentucky, and you saw houses and cars and everything washing down. I had the opportunity to, when Katrina hit, to go down there twice to help. And we worked on some houses down there. But we were in Slidell and New Orleans and uh, Biloxi. And in Biloxi, there's a highway that runs right next to the beach. So there's, it's literally the beach, you have the ocean, the sand, and the road, this little highway. And you remember they, had, they talked about these uh, floating casinos that they had offshore there? I, had to, I, I thought I was looking at a Godzilla movie because that floating casino ripped from its mooring floated across the highway a quarter of a mile. It's, now it's three, so it was a two-story casino, and then with that ballast underneath it, it was three stories, crashed into the corner of a five-story building. And you're looking at that, what in the world? I'd never seen anything quite like that. We walked through and drove through the Ninth Ward. You can't even imagine. Mile after mile, block after block, cars standing on end. You look inside, you, we got out of the car, you look in a house, and the black and the green mold was already just covered. Couches, so the, the, the house is filled up and then drained out twice. So couches are standing on end. Chairs are in the, in the stairwell and, and, and just horrific. That's, that's a flood. So here in this psalm, he says, what are the floods doing? They're lifting up. They're lifting up their voice, and they lifted up their waves. So number three, what does that mean? First, I want to look at why is it repeated three times. And I think it's important. What, why is it, and we know that the, the flood is, is imagery. It's, it's pointing us to something. What are the three forces that like to overwhelm, destroy, that are out of order, produce confusion, and turn things upside down in our world and for you and for me? The flesh, the world, and Satan are three forces that come at us every single day. So this flood that's repeated three times for us speaks of the world that's all concerned with power, position, and possessions. Our flesh, which is focused solely on us, 
it has to it has always our lust is always there ready to be fulfilled and satan who's in complete rebellion to god so there's the unholy trinity coming at you 24 hours a day 7 days a week and i have a great camping story that would illustrate that cuz the lord he's funny he talks to me in funny ways cuz i'm funny so we never camped, and we were born, uh, born and raised down in Southern California, my wife and I, and we moved up here in 1980 and had a couple kids, and so everybody goes camping up here. Oh, okay. I guess, well, let, you want to go camping, hon? I said, well, I don't know. I guess so. Maybe, we, I, I never camped when I was a kid, so I'm like, and then, yeah, well, you want to give your kids that experience. Okay, so I borrow all this camping gear, and I had the Coleman lantern with the fuel you pump, and then you had to push, push the air in it. And the guy says, change, make sure you change the mantle on that. The what? The mantles? Why do I have to change the mantle? What is a mantle? Oh, there's these little things. That, that's where the glows, and it makes light. Oh, okay. I don't know nothing. So we go up. I think it's Indian Henry. Way up, you know, we went up the, the road there, outside of Estacada. <laughs> so we're all set. We got the tent up. Everything went good. Ate dinner. I had light left. I still hadn't put these mantles on yet. I didn't know what I was going to do. So I said, plenty, plenty. It was still light out. We put the kids down to bed. And how old were they? What, six and four or something like that? They laid down. I get the, I get the lantern because it's going to get dark. I'm going to get ready. And all of a sudden, there's mayhem in the tent. My daughter, my lovely Katie, had thrown up all over her sleeping bag. <laughs> We're like, what? Get her out. This is clean. So, but, you know, and we didn't, you know, I know a little bit more about camping now, but, you know, you string a line and so you could hang. We didn't have any of that. I tried to find a tree to this, what water we had, we dumped all over the sleeping bag trying to hang it up so it'll dry. It's never going to dry there. And by that time, get them all back to bed, it's dark. So now I have to have my six-year-old son hold the flashlight. Back here! I'm trying to do this mantle thing and tie this little thing, and I'm supposed to light it. I'm trying to read the instructions. Camping. So we go to bed, and I'm laying down on the, on the ground or whatever it was. It wasn't good. So why am I doing this to myself? And, I, and we're right by the river, and I hear this river flowing, and the Lord's, and I'm just like, this river's been going long before I got here. I've never been here before. I get, I'm, hearing it for the, I'm hearing it for the first time, but that thing's been rolling for decades. And when I leave this campsite, it's going to be rolling along, just moving. And the Lord just showed me a picture. He said, when you get up in the morning, when we all get up in the morning... There's the force of these, the Satan, your flesh, and the world is flowing against you. And you roll out of bed, boom, down, and you know what he said? Any dead fish can swim downstream. We got to get out. He said, you got to get out and swim. I'm like, oh, that doesn't sound like, that's not fun. That's life? That's life. Satan, the world, this flood that is coming at us is flowing 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I love it. Las Vegas never shuts down because 
None of that ever shuts down. And we think we can take a vacation from the Lord, and I'm going to go do this and do my own thing. Uh-uh. Because you're coming against this force. And the picture is you can get washed out to sea at the end of this river, or you find a bunch, if, if I'm not walking with the Lord, I find myself in a little eddy where the fish kind of take a break. And how, how the river makes a bend and it has a little cove there and it's, the, wa- the water's quiet. But there you are, floating around. The Lord says, swim. You've got to get out and swim. These are working against us, an unholy trinity. We're facing this every day. So now we see that the floods, it says that they've lift themselves up. Up to what? And why? Well, they lift themselves up in pride and authority that, aren't, that, that they don't have. They're lifted up over the constraints and boundaries. Isn't that what a river does when it floods? There's a boundary set there. I love you. If you keep reading Psalm 104, the Lord said, after the flood, he laid a boundary for the ocean. I don't care how they say that, you know, the oceans are going to rise and New York's going to be underwater. Uh-uh. He said, I put a boundary on the water. That's it. It's only going to go so high. They are full of rebellion, and they're going outside of the bounds that God has set for us. The world, the flesh, and Satan are doing that all the time. They're outside of God's order. And his spirit is not about to rule in their lives and in their power. And then we see the floods have lifted up their voice. Hmm. Floods, water talks. So they lift themselves up in rebellion against God. And then here comes the message and the communication pounded at us 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Your flesh is demanding attention. The world is demanding attention. Satan's whispering in your ear with his little minions. And I don't know about you, but I'm tired. You, you guys tired of what you're hearing? The noise, it's noise. I, you know, I just, I don't like turning my radio on in the car. I just don't. I don't like, I'm, I'm tired of noise. The world pumps out what our flesh is after, and, and the father of lies is lying all the time. We see it in Isaiah 5. When you call good evil and evil good, when you call light darkness and darkness light, he's flipping everything. It's this flood flowing. You can see it's just turning things upside down. We have political science now instead of biological science. Did you know that? And the political science overrides all of biological science that we all know is true. We're in this so-called information age. Great. I'm watching our society (laughs) disintegrate before my eyes. Because we're more informed, aren't we? I think we're more stupid, confused, ignorant. And we live in a society full of fear. You saw it in the COVID. It was just, it was, you could feel the fear. And they kept telling you about the fear. And finally, it says that they lift up the waves. So what are waves? Hi, I sure love you. See, Satan and the world and the flesh, they're, 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 they're not helping you. They want to destroy you. Waves mean power. They equal power. 
This is their power to knock down and turn things over. Things that you thought you knew now has changed, isn't it? They're redefining everything. And that's the end game. Their end game is to discourage the faithful and destroy the lost and keep them in that place. That's the aim. This is the world in which we live in. Thanks, Frank. You're welcome. I like it how Jude puts it in Jude 13. He says, talking about false teachers in their lives, he said, they're wa- raging waves of the sea, foaming up their own shame. That's what we face each and every day, if you haven't, you know, got out of your house. But I know you have. I always think of, of Lot. When I get frustrated, I see something on the news or I hear something just so, so ridiculous. So a two-year-old knows more. A two-year-old knows better. Second Peter tells us this, talking about Lot living in, Sodom, in the midst of Sodom and Gomorrah. He said, and delivered just Lot who was vexed with the filthy conversation of the world or the filthy living of the wicked for the righteous man dwelleth among them in seeing and hearing, vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. Now, vexed is an old King James word. I love it. Just, it's just, you know, you just, you say it, you know what it means. It, I'm vexed. It describes what? And in your Bibles, it's translated in uh, several different ways. Distressed, oppressed, and tormented. Do you, <laughs> how many of you feel distressed? Oppressed and tormented at times with the things that you're hearing and seeing. I don't know, I long for the, <laughs> for the rock of God's truth, his mercy and his judgment, and that he would come back and rescue us here. But the, if you haven't noticed, this world's in a deep decline, and it's going fast. Psalm 3 puts it, this flood in a different way. In a different context, if you want to look at, if I think we popped that up there for you got your Bibles. It says, oh Lord, how they have increased to trouble me. There are many who rise up against me, many who are saved me. There's no help for him in God. I'll not be afraid of ten thousands of people who set themselves against me all around. Arise, O Lord, save, my, save me, O my God. For you have struck all of my enemies in the cheekbone and you've broken the teeth of the ungodly. You want to communicate that? The Lord just goes, hmm. Difficult for your enemy to become strong if he can't eat, and his teeth don't work. He becomes very weak, and he can't talk very good. He's got marbles in his mouth, worse than what I have. So this flood is, is and here the psalmist is saying, it, we're, we're surrounded. I'm surrounded by the wicked. They're everywhere. They're against me, and I love it. I'm not, I won't be afraid of 10,000s of people. Remember we did Psalm 91? Thousands shall fall by your side, 10,000 by your right. What's he talking about? He's talking about these forces that are coming against us, and they're going to fall and disintegrate and be destroyed. I can't stop the noise. You ever tried? Doesn't work. I can't run and hide in a cave. I can't stick my head in the sand. I can't do anything to stop the incessant pressures of this world and my flesh and the enemy. And it's a constant encroachment in our lives, a pounding 
like the waves of the sea pounding against the gates of my mind, my heart, my spirit. It affects everything I do, everywhere I go, everything I think, everything on my life, my children, my grandchildren, my extended family, and it affects you guys, my family here, my church family. But I'm glad the psalm doesn't end in verse 3. We have a remedy. I can boldly come into the throne of God. He's, he's inviting us. He's saying, look at me. Look at me. Look at what I'm clothed with. And now he's going to talk about his throne and what's inside his house. Listen to the rest of this beautiful and powerful psalm. The Lord is high, uh, is, is, on high is mightier than the noise of the waters, than the mighty waves of the sea. He is stronger and mightier than all that we face. He is more than sufficient. On the cross, that's exactly what he portrayed. I loved it when the men were hurling what? Huh? What were they hurling at Jesus? Cursings, mocking, but at the same exact time, Satan and his minions are screaming for mercy. Because they know their end, the end is here for them. Christ is, they're looking at their great leader, and Christ is crushing his skull. And he says, oh, by the way, that scroll you have, the title deed to the earth, that's mine now. Hmm? Colossians says he did it openly, he triumphed openly, and while men are so clueless, the enemy knew exactly what was going on. He is in complete control of our lives and over all that we face. He says, your testimonies are very sure. Holiness adorns your house, O Lord, forever. <laughs> he just says, if you're not sure, I'm going to say very sure. If you're not quite sure and, you're not sh and this is really difficult to grab hold of, just be sure that he's sure, very sure, that you're going to be all right, that I got you. The flood's coming. It's an overwhelming flood. But he's here. I love this. He throws this little thing. Holiness adorns his house. Look at my throne. Look at what I'm wearing. Now look at what's inside of my house. Come on. Come. Come. That's what he's doing for us. John said I had two hours, so it's only been a half hour so. But here in this psalm, there are 91 words and 343 letters. Now, I don't count real good, so don't quote me on this. But that's just the bare facts. They're on a piece of paper. They're words and they're letters. And like a, I, I, the Lord I gave me a picture of, just, uh, of sheet music and the, and the musical notations on there. I can't read them. I used to. I played the clarinet when you're in the sixth grade. You remember how to, but this is. I don't remember. But unless I pick up my instrument or raise my voice and follow the instructions on this paper, this paper that is not music. It isn't music. It's not music till I interact with it. Follow its instructions. And then there's beautiful music. I say, oh, we're going to have worship today. I'm going to hand you out a piece of paper and we'll all just look at the, you know, Taylor's got the music. You just put us all a copy and we'll just worship like that. <laughs> we got to get engaged and interact with it. 
And the Lord inter- is interacting with this, us in this song. He said, look at me. C- come on. There's got to be some emotion there. He's our father. We're scared, and we need help. And these words here are just words if we don't engage ourselves with the one who created us. The one who wrote the words and submit to him with our whole heart, mind, spirit, and strength. So I want to take just a real quick look at Psalm at verse 3 again. Please note what is it is this little short psalm, but it's in the middle. What is surrounding this horrible picture I painted for you about the world? You just want to go home, put your head in the sand and close the door and turn off the lights and I don't want to I don't want to deal with life anymore. It's too hard. In the middle, the Lord has surrounded us with his glory, his power, his majesty, his presence, his welcoming us into his home. This is the emotion of God. This is nothing other than that. He's telling us to look up. We sang the song. We heard it. Look up. And I think he's telling us and telling us the same things over and over and over again is because he's emotional about it. He's trying to get his point across. I'm telling my six-year-old, yeah, you can go on that ride. You're not going to die. You're going to make it at your first day at school or whatever we're afraid of. I don't whisper it to him. I tell him. And you don't mind, I'll go with you. I'm right there with you. It's in the middle, surrounded with all this glory. He's saying to me and to you, he's screaming it out, come to me. Look at what he says in this psalm. He said, I reign. It's my government, my majesty, my unmovable strength, my creation, my throne, my everlasting nature, my truth, my holiness. It's my house. I'm the king. I'm exalted. I'm eternal. And I'm established. And you all start crying. <laughs> I can't take it anymore. How sweet. How could we ever be, ever be discouraged? Although we do. And that's why he loves us and he comes alongside of us. He said, I'm mightier than this world. This king that we serve is a resource for all of our fear, our anxiety, our confusion, our lack of understanding, our lack of knowledge, our lack of strength, and yes, our lack of faith. He said, you don't have enough faith, so all, I'm gonna, you, all you're going to need is a mustard seed, just a little grain of sand of faith, and I can use that. So embrace him in your heart as he's embracing you now. Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we might obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. I don't have to fight the world. I don't have to escape the world. I just need to come to him. The flood is upon us. We see it every day. But he's beckoning us in the midst of that to come to him. His presence in us is a interesting. His water. The Lord says in um, John 7, On the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, said, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. 
He who believes in me, as the scripture said, out of his heart shall what? Flow rivers of living water. God doesn't fight fire with fire. He fights water with water. Except his water is more powerful. His water is alive and brings life. We're outnumbered and outgunned. I got a pea shooter and they got cannons. I'm small and Goliath's standing up above me. Remember I talked about how God girded himself? Remember David standing before Goliath and Saul and his, and his general Abner? They go, oh, man, we can't send this kid out here. This is nuts. Go get him some armor. Get Saul's armor. Well, Saul, they said, was bigger than taller than everybody else, and you had this little kid. So they clomp on all of Saul's armor onto David. And he goes, I can't move. You know why he, David couldn't gird himself? You know why you can't gird yourself? Because you don't have any strength. He made sure David went out there with no strength to show his strength. That's the God we serve. And you know what? We should have got a clue if you read your Old Testament. God sent the children of Israel. He said, I'm going to send you into the promised land. Hallelujah. Grapes this big. Houses you never built, wells you never dug, it's all ready to go. And they send them in there, and what do they find? A flood. Represented by what? Giants. Oh, there's giants in the land. We're like grasshoppers. We better not go in. <laughs> the Lord wanted to say, and, and you know what happened. But I love Joshua. He said, they're just... They're nothing compared to the God that we serve. I'm six feet tall, and I got a 50-foot wave ready to hit me, knock me down as I get out of my house and go to work. We sing with emotion as children and relegate this song away as adults. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. I'm engaged in these letters, in these words on paper, I've engaged. He says, little ones to him belong. I am weak, but he is strong. I don't need any more net. His living waters, here's the picture. His living waters flow out of us and meet the flood. These powerful forces. I'm just David and it's Goliath. Ugh, yes, perfect. So his strength is made powerful through my weakness. What does this produce? He said, it said there that he who believes in me, a water flow from him. He says, he spoke this concerning the spirit, believing that those who believe his Holy Spirit is what's coming out. Reflected in this picture of water. What's the fruit of the spirit? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithful. Against such there is no law. Written, you can't write that down on a... And the, the Ten Commandments are written in stone. It doesn't work. It's on our heart. This is from the heart. These are... The facts here are only facts until we engage them with our heart and our soul and our strength and our mind. And you're going to think I'm crazy, but here's another picture. Who remembers I Love Lucy show? When I'm little, you know, the, back in the day, the 500-pound TV set with the little picture this big, there were the reruns of I Love Lucy. 
and I don't know why, but I remember this, you know, they did goofy things, her and, uh, what's her friend, uh, Ethel. And this one, she put too much soap in the washing machine and turned the water on, and, and the whole thing, the whole thing, room is filling up with bubbles. And she, the more water she puts on, the more bubbles are get. And that's a picture I get. The more, there, the, more the water comes out of ours creates, a, it, it changes and, and fills the room. That's the living, that's the power we have. We have the power of the eternal God resting, living, residing within ourselves. Who am I to be afraid of? He's our only hope. And there's no other answer in this world. There are pills to help, not enough doctors, not enough money, not enough power, status, or position. We need a God who came, the gospel, that he came because we needed him. And our righteousness, which was as filthy rags, here's this picture of clothing again. He puts on his, we get to put on his robe of righteousness, not mine, his. He gives it to me. He changes my filth and makes me clean if I only would receive him. In Revelation, Jesus said towards the end there, last chapter, he sends his angel to testify of these things to the churches. I'm the root and the offspring of David, the bright and morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come. He that heareth, come. And whosoever is a thirst, come and drink of the water of life freely. That invitation is for you today believer, and if you don't know the Lord today, you can know him and know and establish this anchor in your life in the midst of all that's going on. And if you have any questions, you can come see me about that. There's some elders. Talk to somebody. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we are grateful for the emotion in which you show us how much you love us. It's with great passion you call us and ask us to come, to dine with you, to drink with you, to partake of your love, of your kindness, of your mercy, of which we deserve none of, Lord. We're grateful you came and you defeated the enemy, you defeated the world, and you've defeated our flesh. You've given us a new nature. You tell us to put off the old and put on the new. You ask us to reject the world and stand firm in the blood of Christ as the enemy would give his onslaught. And that, Lord, we can meet this flood. Little, tiny, insignificant people that we are. That's, that's where your power is most made manifest. And I pray, Lord, you would reunite or just bring unity into our churches, into this church that the water that flows with us will all flow in one direction against these things, these forces that come, and we would bring light and life to this world, Lord. We have life inside of us. Thank you for your, this precious psalm, and thank you for your love. Bless your people today. Watch over us, keep us, 
and keep reminding us and have us to keep coming. In your name we pray. Amen.